This episode is being brought to you by the Speak English with Tiffany Academy. If you have to speak English with clients, the Academy is for you. If you have to take an English exam like IELTS or TOEFL, the Academy is for you. If you are planning to immigrate to Canada, America, or another English speaking country, the Academy is for you. So join today by going to www.speakenglishwithtiffanyacademy.com. Welcome to the Speak English with Tiffany podcast, a podcast especially created for intermediate and advanced English learners. In this podcast, you will hear natural English conversations, learn specific English tips and tricks, and also get to know many different ESL teachers. This podcast will take your English ability to the next level and help you to be more confident and more fluent when you speak in English. Are you ready? Well then, let's jump right in. Hey everyone, this is teacher Tiffany and I want to thank you so much for joining me for another episode of the Speak English with Tiffany podcast. In today's podcast episode, I speak with the young woman by the name of Taryn. We met via email and she told me that she also is an ESL teacher. Now during our conversation, she also spoke about her time in Brazil. I know you are going to enjoy her story. Let's get started with the interview. Hey, Taryn, how are you? Hi, Tiffany. I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you. I'm really excited about this episode of the podcast because students, you may not know this, but this is actually my first time meeting Taryn. She actually sent me an email, so I'm so excited to speak with her. Now, Taryn, we always start the interviews with an introduction. So can you tell us something about you? Sure. Um, so I grew up in Idaho. Mm -hmm. That's where I was born and that's where I grew up. And then when I was 16 years old, my family moved to Texas, to Austin, Texas. Mm -hmm. So that's where I say that I'm from now because that's where I go home to visit my family. Um, uh -huh. And then... For college, I played basketball, actually, at BYU-Hawaii. Nice. I love and, basketball, too. <laughs> yeah, I've heard in some of your other episodes that you played basketball in college, too. So that's way yeah. fun. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, yeah. continue. Uh -huh. No, you're totally fine. So I played basketball at BYU-Hawaii. It's on uh -huh. an island called Oahu in Hawaii. Uh -huh. um, I absolutely loved it there. And I graduated in February of 2017. Mm -hmm. with my degree in teaching English to speakers of other languages. Nice. Or TESOL. And then after that, I went to Brazil as a missionary for my church. Nice. And yeah, I was in the northeast part of Brazil in a state called Bahia. Nice. And then after I got home, I started a master's degree at Brigham Young University in Utah. So that's where I am now. I'm studying linguistics. Very nice. And that's about me. <laughs> wow, very nice. Now, I have a few more questions connected to your experience now because I'm very curious. I'm not sure how much you know about my history, but I was also a missionary in Korea for about 10 years. And oh, I cool. English. Yeah, so I also went with my church and I was a missionary English teacher. And 
I loved it, which is why I stayed for 10 years. Uh-huh. But um, it was an amazing experience. And that's where I realized my love for teaching English. Now, a lot of my students, a lot of the ones that listen to this podcast and a lot of my followers on YouTube are Brazilians. So cool. I'm curious to know more about your experience in Brazil. Okay. Um, yeah, so I, I actually lived in three different cities in Bahia. I lived the most of my time I was in Salvador, which uh -huh. is the capital of that state, and it's beautiful. Uh -huh. And then I was in two other small cities called Brumado and Teixeira de Freitas. Uh -huh. um, it was the best. I absolutely loved it. And I went back actually earlier this year to visit some friends who live in um, Campinas in Sao uh -huh. Paulo. And uh -huh. then one of my friends, actually the one who told me about your podcast, um, she and I went back to Salvador together for a few days. So that was a lot of fun. Um, is there anything like specific that you want to know about it or? Well, like how long did you live there? Okay. So um, I lived there for almost a year. Mm -hmm. Usually the girl missionaries for my church stay for a year and a half. Uh -huh. I, I tore my ACL. <laughs> so oh no! I had to come home because I hurt my knee. But yeah, so I was there from April of 2017. No, sorry, May of 2017 to April of 2018. Wow. Okay. Good stuff. Now, do you think you would ever go back to live there? Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. I I really love it. Mm. But I found that I really like teaching English in English speaking countries. Mm -hmm. So I think I would I would live there for a while, but probably not forever. Gotcha. Very nice. I, I'm looking forward to visiting Brazil because again, so many of my students tell me how, you know, it's a nice place to go. I know mm -hmm. there are certain places that may be a little bit dangerous, but that's in yeah, every country. For sure. But I would love to meet students in person. So it's very interesting that you had an experience there for a year. That's very mm -hmm. nice. Yeah, Good. thank you. I loved it. Good. Okay, so let me ask you this question. Why did you become an English teacher and how long have you been an English teacher? And I know you mentioned that you graduated in 2017 and you mentioned your time in Brazil, but why did you choose English as your major and also as a profession? What led you mm -hmm. to it? So... Growing up, I knew that I wanted to be a teacher, but mm -hmm. I could just never figure out what it was that I wanted to teach. Uh -huh. um, I knew that I liked education and that I loved teaching, but I just, I really wanted to teach something that mattered to people and that could really like change a person's life. Yeah. And of course, like every subject is important in its own way. Right. But I... I don't know. Once when I, I can't remember exactly when it was that I decided I wanted to specifically teach language and teach English. Mm -hmm. But I know that when I got to BYU Hawaii and I saw, because there are lots of international students there, almost mm -hmm. uh, probably almost half, or at least like forty percent of the students there are international students. And so when I saw all of them there and that they couldn't be there without English and I saw like couples from countries who their only language in common was English and mm. I don't know I just realized like how much power language has especially one as universal as English and so I just wanted to be able to like help students get these new opportunities um, mm. that they need English for and so yeah that's why I decided I wanted to teach it. 
It's so ironic that you say that, um, Taryn, because that also kind of influenced me as well and kind of um, encourages me more to continue teaching English because I've also had conversations with students and they said that English is literally their, the key to the Mm -hmm. next step of their life. Or I've had some friends, even when I was in Korea, I had some friends and both of them were Korean, but they both Mm -hmm. spoke English as a second language. And there were times when they would switch to English because there were certain things that were easier to express in English. So again, being American, we're both American and English is our first language. Sometimes we don't realize how important it is to other people. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I agree. I think it really is. um, I think it's a very meaningful job. You know, it, it's it's funny that it can really touch other people. So that's good yeah. to know. Good. Yeah. Good stuff. Okay. So can you tell us about your first teaching experience? I know you said you're getting your master's degree, but I know you've either tutored or taught some individuals. So can you tell uh-huh. us about your first experience teaching English? So my first experience, I don't totally remember because when I was at BYU-Hawaii, mm-hmm. we, so I was in different teaching classes like how to teach reading how to teach listening speaking vocabulary and so as assignments for each of those classes we had to teach um just like uh an optional night class and it was just like Uh once or twice a semester it wasn't like a constant thing Uh but and so that was my first and teach it to like other international students at the school Mm -hmm. um who could come like for if they wanted to some some ESL teachers gave like extra credit if they came and stuff and I I don't remember like really any of my lessons but I remember just how good I felt after yeah but I can talk about my internship so okay um for my internship what I was planning on doing was going to Costa Rica and teaching at an elementary school or like a primary school that yeah. one of my professors used to teach at in Costa Rica. Uh-huh. But at the very last minute, it kind of fell through because of some paperwork issues between my school and their school. Uh-huh. And so what I ended up doing was teaching at a refugee center in Southern Idaho in wow. the city where I grew up. Uh-huh. And it completely changed my life. It was mm. the best. It was completely like, I don't know, just such a blessing that I mm. got to go there instead because it helped me realize that I loved teaching adults rather than mm. children. Uh-huh. And it, um, I don't know, just gave me so many new perspectives and helped mm. me realize also that I was happy teaching English in the United States and helped me see that there was such a, an immediate need for it too. Like I, I guess yeah. I didn't realize how many people in an English speaking country still need to learn English. And so that was really wonderful. But I remember my first day, I showed up not really knowing what to expect, if I would have my own class or if it would be more just like one-on-one. Uh-huh. And the center where I taught, I feel it. so it was a refugee center and its main focus was helping refugees like resettle and find housing and um, jobs. And I feel like the English part was kind of an afterthought, like, oh yeah, we need to teach them English too. So let's do that. And so it so the center lets um volunteers from the community come in all the time like every day so it wasn't really a big deal that I like got an internship there like anyone (laughs) from the community that speaks English can come in and teach there um I don't yeah and so but it it looked good on your resume though (laughs) yeah 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 and it, it was the best it was what I needed and so it was fine 
and I learned a lot, but, um, so I got, so the, the director of the refugee center gave me a student to work with mm-hmm. and she was from, I think she was from the democratic Republic of the Congo. I'm pretty okay. sure that's where she was from. Uh-huh. Um, and she had never been to school. Mm. And so she had been in the United States for eight months and didn't know how to write her name. When she wow. first showed up, she didn't know how to hold a pencil. And so, wow. and of course there was a huge language barrier because I didn't speak, I think she spoke Swahili and French and I didn't speak either one of those. I, at right. the time I didn't speak Portuguese either. I didn't, I only spoke English. And so, um, yeah, that was definitely a humbling experience and I really had no idea even how to start. And um, another volunteer there, um, her name is Tammy, and she taught me a lot. She is a dual language Spanish and English teacher um, Mm -hmm. near the city where the refugee center was. And she actually taught me pretty much everything that I learned on my internship because she knew a lot about just literacy and how like literacy literally changes your brain as, as you're learning to read growing up. And so she helped me realize that because the student was illiterate, there were certain things that she couldn't understand how to do. And so it was really interesting because um, not only did she not know English, but she didn't know how to learn either, Yeah, and, which she was probably the lowest level. Actually, I had another student who was pretty similar to her, who I think was from Iran, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really liked working with her. I remember the first, the first student from Democratic Republic of the Congo, I taught her husband as well. And he had mm-hmm. like until a third or fourth grade education, I think. So he knew like how to write and read and stuff. And so it was a little bit easier teaching him because he mm-hmm. could like see sentences on a page and understand, you know, but, um, yeah, so that was kind of my first experience. I only stayed there at the, that refugee center for about six or seven weeks, but I definitely learned and grew a lot, learned how to teach people that you don't have a common language with, um, teach beginners, I guess, that you don't have a common language with. And how, how did you yeah. do that? I'm curious because I know students listening are probably very mm-hmm. curious. Now, again, the students listening to this podcast, the majority of them are intermediate and advanced, mm-hmm. but at one time they were beginners. So this yeah. is very interesting for them to see it to hear it from our side as teachers. Mm -hmm. So how did you work around that difficult or that, that challenge, that difficulty and challenge where not only did she not speak English, but she also didn't know how to learn. So how did you work around that? Like, did you use some special techniques or do you use like visuals? How did you teach her? Not very well, probably. (laughs) Um, This is why I'm so thankful for Tammy, um, that other teacher who was a volunteer at the same time as me, because she really, like I would have been so, I was going to say so lost, but even with her, I was probably still lost. So, so much more (laughs) lost without her. Um, she, I don't know, like I actually did like my, my senior project, like poster presentation at BYU Hawaii about this, but you just have to use a lot of pictures, Mm -hmm. a lot of what Tammy calls realia. So like bring it, like if you're talking about food, bring in like some fake food or some Mm -hmm. real food and just teach them about that. Use a lot of videos. I think I didn't utilize technology as well as I should have on my Mm -hmm. internship. But um, since then I've learned, you know, technology is such a great resource for especially beginning. I mean, for always, but like, especially for this situation. Um, 
you just have to be like very slow, very repetitive, very patient. Mm -hmm. I remember that the other student I mentioned from Iran, we spent like half an hour learning four colors, you know? And so yeah. I had these little blocks. I think they were red, green, yellow, and blue. Mm -hmm. Just spent such a long time going over those. I used the calendar and helped her learn how to count. Um, just very, very basic stuff. And then um, the lady's husband that we were teaching, who was a little higher level and could understand like, letters and words and stuff I remember just doing very basic like Tammy would bring some books uh -huh. like, from her I think she teaches like a very low like grade so first or second grade some books from that um just to learn very simple like color I mean sorry it was a book about like different colors the very simple sentence patterns yeah. so like I have a blue egg I yeah. have a green egg, stuff like that. And so it was just very simple. And then I remember for him, um, we would have sentences that we would cut out each of the individual words and he'd have uh -huh. to put them in order. So just very simple stuff like that. And you just have to use very, very simple language. Like if you think you're talking simple enough, talk even more simply, right. you know? And so just <laughs> exactly. as simple as you possibly can, um, even then it's still pretty hard. And now I teach, well, I'm a substitute teacher. Um, but I taught like at the school I taught at over the summer, mm -hmm. but now I'm in school. So I'm just a substitute, but I was, uh -huh. I was substituting recently and I had a level one and a level two grammar class. And m all of those students, most of the students at this school are from Spanish speaking countries, but all of the ones in these two classes, um, speak Spanish. And so, I remember, I can, I can kind of fake Spanish since I speak Portuguese and I learned, uh -huh. I studied Spanish in high school and college. And so I, it's nice because I can kind of like, if they absolutely need to, I can kind of explain or at least like compare things in English and Spanish. Like, this is how you say it in Spanish. This is how we do it in English, you know, uh -huh. because I'm teaching level one and two and that's about where my Spanish level is at. So I can <laughs> kind of help them there. But yeah, it's, there were such a mix of languages at the refugee center, you know, Arabic, French, Swahili. Yeah. I learned about so many other languages that I had never heard of. Lingala and I think Tigrinya is the name of another one. Just so many different languages because they come from several African countries, some Middle Eastern countries. There were some from Nepal, Bhutan. Uh -huh. And so, um, yeah, it was definitely difficult um, to teach them with no common language. But yeah, you just have to be as simple as you can utilize pictures and videos and objects yeah. and yeah just model the language the best that you can too yeah you know it's um it's funny one thing i experienced like as you're speaking and as you're saying different methods that you use to try to convey the message or help them understand so my niece she's three years old and mm -hmm. it's so interesting to watch her she's learning english because she mm -hmm. you know she's growing it's literally the same thing with the beginner English students and my niece because she's basically a beginner as far as English goes. So mm -hmm. she makes some grammar errors that beginner English students do. And it's like you have to kind of connect things, just like you're mentioning if blocks or certain things. She's like, oh, well, what is that? I'm like, oh, this is red. Oh, why is that? And then you connect it with other mm -hmm. visuals. So it's amazing how visuals can connect language and help people understand. So yeah, good. It sounds like it was an amazing experience, like really an amazing experience. Mm -hmm. Good. Okay. So you've had an experience with so many different students from around the world. 
Have you noticed, let's say, three best qualities of a good English student? Not just a student that gets good grades, but mm -hmm. something that you've noticed. So three qualities you've noticed that makes a good student, that make a good student. Uh-huh. Um, I think one would be like attentive, like somebody who pays attention and not only in class, but like, so like in my experience, I've only taught in the United States. So there's English all around them. Right. But even people, even students in other countries, like when you're reading something in English or listening to something, watching a show, whatever, language is full of patterns. Mm -hmm. And so I think it something that I know at least helped me um learn portuguese as an adult was just noticing the way that people say things and making connections to other things that i've heard or noticed and so just i think noticing is such a huge part of language learning so i guess the adjective to describe that would just be attentive like somebody who pays attention makes sense uh-huh um another one i would say humble uh, humility you can't go wrong like in anything with humility you know like as a teacher as a student as a leader as a worker anything True. um being humble is important and you know you should like still be confident but you can be confident and like in the way that and what you say but still accept um feedback exactly. in a humble way you know don't act like you know everything but exactly. still like be confident in what you do know you like know? a nice so, healthy balance of yeah confidence exactly yeah uh -huh. you have to find a good balance but i think humility will get you a long way in anything that you do and so just point. and part of that as a student i think is being willing to ask for help mm -hmm. ask when you don't understand something um being like accepting feedback and accepting i mean just instruction graciously you know so just I think humility is important in anything, but especially language learning. Mm -hmm. And um, I think diligence, mm. somebody who's diligent will come to class, study on their own, yeah. look for other opportunities to grow. I think kind of along with that, this may be, might be a fourth one, but like <laughs> being resilient, like, I don't yeah. know, if you're diligent, you know, you don't let things um like deter you from exactly. learning or from reaching your goals and so just being able to like bounce back after something difficult happens um yeah so i think just being diligent slash resilient <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, snuck, like I snuck a fourth one in there but yeah i noticed yeah. that i said okay uh -huh. a little extra no yeah worries. yeah it's kind of the same it, it it goes along so um yeah I think that's a good point though. I'm glad you added uh, the resiliency because again, you know, as a teacher, um, and I'm sure you've had this experience with your students, there are many times when they get frustrated uh, because English is not the easiest language. I'm, I'm very grateful that it's my first language, um, but I'm realizing the more that I teach students how difficult it is for students to learn, especially depending on their home, their, their native tongue. Like if they're, for example, if they're uh, from an Asian speaking country, like for example, um, um, let's say Korea or Japan or even the Philippines, their language structure may be different than ours, like grammar structure. I know for Chinese and Chinese is a little bit similar, but Japanese and also Korean is opposite. So a lot of times, depending on their native tongue, it may be very difficult for them to switch over to understand English grammar. So seeing students when they get frustrated and reminding them like, hey, don't give up. I know it's difficult, 
But if you keep going, you will achieve your goal. So I do think that's a very important point. So students, as you're listening, I hope you're really appreciating everything that Taryn is saying. Really good points. Really good oh, points. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Now, I want to know, did you ever have a favorite student? Um, probably. <laughs> I, <laughs> I mean, I just, I'm having a hard time, like, thinking of who that would be. Also, I'm planning on telling, like, every previous student, every, every former student of mine, uh -huh. every student, period, everyone I know to listen to this. Oh, <laughs> so okay. I don't want to, like, I don't want to, like, call anyone out and make anyone else feel bad. Okay, you know what? I understand. Let me, yeah. let me rephrase the question then. Okay. So you've had many amazing students. So uh -huh. I'm sure a lot of them were your favorite. Uh -huh. So can you tell me some qualities of your favorite students? Sure. Easier? Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, one story about someone who became one of my favorite students. Um, he was, so when I was at the refugee center, they had some night classes. So the refugee center is associated with a junior college in uh -huh. the same city. Uh -huh. um, and so at the junior college at night, they had kind of like pre-college classes for uh -huh. um, the refugees who spoke well enough to like entering like mm -hmm. some college classes pretty soon. And so it was just kind of to help them with grammar and computer skills and things like that. And so the teacher who taught that class, bless his heart, he was a <laughs> native English high school teacher. And so he was used to teaching like literature and analysis wow. and things like that. And so he had these students, um, like he would put sentences and paragraphs on the board and tell them to find certain grammar principles in yeah. the sentence. Like, oh, find the participles. I don't know. That's just an example. I don't yeah. remember exactly how it was, but I remember thinking that it wasn't very effective, but it wasn't my place to like right, say, anything. say that, you know, I was yeah. just more observing and like helping in that, in that class. I wasn't really teaching, but a lot of them didn't really know how to use computers. Mm. And so he would say like, oh, type this and then find this. And then like 20 minutes later, they were all still typing because they had to like find it with one finger, you know, because they had never used a computer or like typed yeah. or anything. And so I helped them find like this typing program online where they could learn how to, like it was a free program that taught students how to type uh -huh. um, with both hands without looking. And it was really, it was really useful for them, I think. But one of the students, he was around my age and he was from Sudan uh-huh. But so his native language was Arabic, but he was a refugee in Ghana where they speak English. And uh -huh. so he he had been there for a few years, so he learned how to speak and understand English pretty well. Uh-huh. Like at a at a good intermediate level, but he didn't know how to read or write very well in English. Uh-huh. And so as he was doing the very first couple lessons of this typing program, it was just really simple words that you use like like in the middle row of the keyboard, right? So like dad, sad, ad, words mm -hmm. like that. And so I asked him, I was like, Do you know how to read these? And he he kind of did. And at that point, I only had a few um, days left in my internship, but I was like, do you want me to teach you how to read? And so he was like, yeah. And so when I was at the um, refugee center the next day, I took a bunch of books, just like really simple English 
reading books with me to the night class. And so I taught him how the, you know, the letters and the consonants and vowels. And it was the coolest experience because he already knew the words, but uh-huh. now he was seeing them and being able to read them. And I just remember him getting so excited when he like could finally recognize the words and stuff like oh that's how that's what this word that I already know looks like and I feel like that's not a super common um situation to be in like where you speak and understand English but you don't know how to read or write it yeah at all and so it was just a really cool experience and I just remember feeling so like happy that I could help him like understand how to recognize like what the words were and everything and so he became a pretty good friend of mine too because we were around the same age and so when I would go back to visit Idaho um I would see him and we would you know hang out and go do things and it was so he's probably he's one of my favorite students um yeah and I would say also my friend Silvana who told Uh me about this podcast she hasn't Thank been you, a formal. Silvana. Thank we you, Silvana. You. Shout out to you. <laughs> she hasn't been like a formal student of mine, but she always has English questions, and I love practicing English with her and um, just teaching her different grammar things that she has questions about. So she's one of my name? other. It's S I L V A N A. Okay, gotcha. She's from Brazil, correct? Yes. Okay, great. I'm going to yep. put her, I'm going to put your name in the notes. So also check the website, <laughs> Savannah. Yeah, that's great. I also have a friend, um, one of my good friends. She wasn't my student officially. She was a teacher when I was in mm-hmm. Korea. She speaks English, but again, you know, as a second language, there's still going to be questions just like your friend Savannah has questions. Yeah. And our relationship, our friendship has grown so much over the years. And yeah, we talk almost every other day so mm-hmm. i can understand too like it's oh. nice having a friend so yeah good good okay what's the hardest thing about teaching english and i think this is always an interesting question for students to listen to um and hear the answer because they don't realize that there are difficulties that uh teachers face so <laughs> what are the hardest things about teaching english for me i think it, this is something that is totally avoidable, but uh-huh. I think just when you're not prepared, like when you don't know what you're going to teach or when you don't know like what you're supposed to teach or something, I think it's so uncomfortable and so embarrassing and so difficult. I think that's been the hardest part in my experience because so when I was in Brazil, I wasn't teaching English. I was teaching um, about, you know, Jesus Christ and mm-hmm. um the gospel and the church and everything and so I I only had like a couple experience or a couple opportunities to teach English Mm -hmm. but I remember the first time I like we had advertised for these English classes all week we were so excited and I was like yeah I have a degree in this it's gonna be so great and then I got there and only a couple people had shown up but I just had no plan whatsoever and I was like Mm. so embarrassed I don't know I was just like what am I doing it was just it was really hard and so uh-huh. I think that has been the like one of the hardest things and so or even if I'm like sub like substitute teaching like I do now because I'm in school uh-huh. um and I show up and like I thought that the lesson plan would be more detailed or that I would um like the school where I substitute teach now their whole curriculum is online 
but like one of the classes I didn't have access to until like the class started. And so I was like, Oh, what, what am I supposed to do? You know? And so, um, I think that's been hard for me just because I speak English doesn't mean I like know where to start with, um, you know, and so I have studied English and everything. I mean, how to teach it. And so that's helped me. And, um, but I don't know, even though I do have that degree, it's still hard like to know where to start and, what to do if you don't have a plan. And so that's mm-hmm. been the hardest thing for me, I think, <laughs> which yeah. is totally avoidable. It's my fault <laughs> for not being prepared. But <laughs> well, honestly, I think Taryn, every English teacher has experienced that mm-hmm. one situation, either walking into a classroom or doing a, a tutoring session via uh, online or something. And you just don't feel prepared. So mm-hmm. you've heard the, well, of course you've heard the expression, you're American, fake it until you make it like yeah. <laughs> act like you know what you're doing until it works out. So We've mm-hmm. all experienced that. So, yeah. 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 Okay. Well, what do you enjoy most about teaching English? I love being able to help students reach their goals. Kind of like what I said, like why I teach, why I wanted to teach in the first place. Just, I think the word, the best word to describe it is like empower. So like empowering students, like giving them the key, like you said, to be able to, um, reach their goals like and I remember when I was teaching over this past summer I started just asking my students like well what like what's your dream job you know like what do you want what do you want to do with this and all of them told me like oh I want to be a dentist like I was a dentist in my country and I want to be able to go to dental school here or like oh I used to be a lawyer in my country and I want to go to law school here Mm. and so just they all have these different very special goals And I can't be a doctor or a lawyer or, Mm. you know, so many different things that I don't have the skills to, to do that, but all of them do. And what they need to be able to get there in a lot of cases is this language. And so I just love being able to have a part in that. Mm. And then I also love kind of along the same line, but just teaching them skills and strategies and methods to use about how to learn like how to learn on their own and how to you know be kind of lifelong learners and just keep um keep learning and keep applying the things that we do in class and so I like just being able to help them do that too and just meeting so many wonderful fun interesting people from all over the world Mm -hmm. I really like um that aspect as well I love it I totally agree. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. It's yeah. great. It's a very, very rewarding job. Very rewarding. Mm-hmm. So let me ask this question. Now I know you speak Portuguese because you've mentioned it during our conversation, mm-hmm. but I'm sure the students listening are curious to know about your experience. Why did you learn Portuguese? Because again, I know you lived there for about a year in Brazil mm-hmm. But people go to other countries all the time and they don't learn the language. So what made you decide to learn the language? And tell us a little bit about your experience learning Portuguese. Mm -hmm. So in Brazil, for sure, there are people who speak English. Mm -hmm. But I was going to people's houses in all types of neighborhoods, all different kinds of cities and places. And there was really just no way for me to survive in the situations that I was in. And also I was teaching people about very, you know, serious and important things. And so I wanted them to be able to, I mean, I needed them really to be able to understand it in their own 
language so that it could really speak to their heart, you know? Yeah. And so, you know, for me, I wanted to be a good missionary. I wanted to be able to help people. Mm. And so uh, I was very motivated to learn Portuguese. But, you know, every missionary that goes to Brazil, I think, in this situation, who's living with... And so we had... Um, a companion that we were with all the time so it wasn't just us by ourselves teaching but there were we were always with one or two other people uh-huh and all of the companions that i had were um brazilian and uh-huh. so you know at home out in the street in people's houses at church everywhere i went we were only speaking portuguese and so but that doesn't mean it was easy for me to learn um <laughs> for the first six <laughs> weeks that i was in brazil i was in kind of like a training center in sao paulo where we just learned portuguese learned how to teach even the brazilian like the native brazilian missionaries would go there too just to learn how to teach and yeah. how to be a good missionary they only stayed for three weeks though and um americans and people from other countries stayed for six uh-huh and so i was there learning portuguese but even before my mission. So I found out that I would be going to Brazil in December and I didn't leave until May. Okay. And it was my last semester of college. And I had one of my basketball coaches was from Portugal. Uh huh. And then I had, uh, I had some friends from Brazil. And so they would just help me kind of, I would go talk to them and they would help me learn. Um, my coach taught me how to pray in Portuguese before I went and I would make just little flashcards of, I would put like a picture on one side and then the Portuguese word on the other side. So just really simple things like clothes and furniture and colors and stuff like that. Just so, because I wanted to, like that wasn't required, but I just wanted to like apply my language teaching degree to my own life. Um, And so I would like, I would also listen to like, church talks like from leaders of the church that I was already familiar with in English I would listen to them in Portuguese too just to kind of hear how the language sounded and I there was a cartoon in Portuguese that I watched um I didn't understand a word of it but just to (laughs) just to hear the language you know um and then yeah so I was in that training center for about six weeks and then in June yeah June of 2017 is when I got to Bahia um and I remember the first like three months the first six weeks I cried probably every day like I started counting how many days I didn't (laughs) cry because it was less than how many I did and it was because I just felt so useless and it was I felt like I didn't have an identity anymore like I didn't even know Mm. who I was because I couldn't communicate with anyone Mm. so I definitely understand how frustrating it is to not like to not speak the language well and not understand it And I remember we were teaching a lot of like elderly people. And so a lot of them maybe like missing teeth or something. So it was really hard to understand that. Pronunciation wasn't clear. Yeah, Yeah. not at all. And I just felt so lost and so sad. And then after about like three months in Bahia, I could start understanding people. I still remember the first time I responded to someone without like thinking about it and translating in my head. I just like heard it and responded. And I still remember that day, like, the street I was on, who I was talking to. So that was great. Um, and then after about like five or six months is when I could communicate pretty well and understand. But even then, like I had people correct my pronunciation or help me learn new vocabulary, you know? And so it was a really great experience. And I'm so thankful that I got to learn a language as a second language as an adult so that now I can relate to my students that much better, you know, but it was definitely, it's definitely hard. Yeah. 
I think it, your last point, I think it does make a difference when an ESL teacher also knows a second language mm-hmm. that they've learned as an adult, because learning as a child is, is different because children mm-hmm. pick up languages so quickly. Like when I'm talking to my nieces, I can say a word in Korean and they pick it up immediately. Like there's uh-huh. no barrier of trying to translate. Oh, what's the sound in English? No, mm-hmm. they just say it. But yeah. again, as adults, understanding that that frustrating period is really important. I think it makes us more patient with our students um, mm-hmm. and more understanding when they're having difficulties. So yeah, good. Definitely. Very, very interesting. Very interesting. <laughs> I have two more questions for you. This has been okay. a very interesting interview. Can you uh, tell us any good English resources? Now, they don't have to be English books like about grammar, but for example, television programs or podcasts or even blogs or websites that students can either read or watch or listen that listen to that will help them. Mm-hmm. Um, I think... I know that a lot of people from other countries really love the show Friends, <laughs> and I just did, I, I just watched Friends for the first time actually like this year, and I really? loved it. And so I think just watching like shows like that, maybe like where there's I don't know like I'm think like not a show about like a specific thing maybe like like that will have American life kind of like this is yeah uh uh-huh yeah I mean just like very like shows like with friends where it's just like people interacting in typical social settings you know just talking with their friends and family going and doing things um I think shows like that and I I know that people from other kind like international students don't have to be told to go watch friends because I know a lot of them already really like it. it's like the number one show I know but um I also I mean I would just say like read about and listen to things that you're interested in so like if you're interested in sports like read about that in english because it's just something that's motivating you know um do you have any suggestions and i only say that because there are some people that don't really know what to watch or yeah what books like um maybe two suggestions for i got friends but Uh two suggestions maybe television programs that you like or that you've heard of other individuals that um have watched these programs um and they don't have to be current because remember friends i remember Uh watching friends when i was younger but it doesn't have to be current i don't know i or what about you what do you like watching or reading that's okay too yeah um like in english or in my second language in english so any program that you're like oh i really enjoy this program or i really like this book and again just Mm -hmm. you personally i don't know i i just honestly read like random stuff about like I really like books about like um kind of like self-improvement books you know and not yeah like the ones that like motivate you to change or like set goals or do things a different way or look at things a different way um those are perfect yeah I'll say that because here's the thing that I've learned as an English teacher over the years the only difference between us and our students is the language so a lot of our student, a lot of my students are business owners or they're trying to um, improve their career or they're trying to improve themselves. So they're reading these books, but in their language. Mm-hmm. So I actually think students listening to this would really benefit from some of the books that you're reading. So I mm-hmm. think it's okay to give us some examples if you have any. Okay. Um, 
I can tell you about my favorite book. Sure. I'm not reading it right now, but my favorite book that I've ever read, I have it right here actually behind me. Let me find it. Yeah, I noticed other oh. books behind you. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so it's called Of Beatles and Angels. Of Beatles and Angels. And uh-huh. it's very it's very short and it's pretty simple language. Um, it, like the text is kind of big, you know, but okay. it's written by a refugee from, I think he's from Ethiopia. I can't remember 100%. I haven't read it for a while. Can you show sure. me his name real quick on the screen? So it's by Maui Asgadom. I don't know. It's M-A-W-I. Uh-huh. And then that's his first name and his last name is A-S-G-E-D-O-M. Perfect. Thank you so and much. And he, his family was a family of refugees and they moved to Illinois. Uh-huh. And it just talks about like his experiences he so beetles and angels he compares like to different people and he says that a lot of people who might seem like beetles are actually like angels in our lives like people who might seem insignificant actually end up making like a big impact on us Mm -hmm. and this man who wrote this book he actually graduated from harvard and so yeah and so he worked hard and got scholarships and he graduated from harvard and so it's just a really inspiring book it's pretty short let me see how many pages it is it's less than 200 pages and a lot of I it is like a great book yeah i Very love inspiring. this book uh-huh and so it might be something relatable to students because they've come from another country you know maybe not in this exact same situation mm-hmm. but i really love this book i've read it a couple times i should pick it up and read it again maybe over christmas break or something because it's yeah. so good and he has like pictures of his family and he talks about at the beginning how he almost didn't write this actually because the first time he wrote it, he his computer got stolen with his whole manuscript on the on the computer. So he wasn't like he had to rewrite this whole thing. Oh wow. Uh, but yeah, this is my favorite book. So if students want to read that, oh I think man, they excellent. Might like it. And it's pretty simple language, like I said. So yeah. Oh, Beatles and Angels. Perfect. Uh-huh. Guys, I hope you all check this book out of Beatles and Angels. Remember, it'll be in the section below this episode. I'll put it in the notes section so you guys can find it online well thank you so much it's a great suggestion oh no problem i'm gonna have to check it out myself (laughs) yeah you definitely should yeah okay well my last question for you is do you have any other advice now again the students you've worked with refugees so you've worked with individuals who have come from other countries um any advice you'd give students as they're learning english or advice about coming to america anything you'd like to say to end Something they've probably heard a lot, but I'll just say it again, is just don't give up. Mm. Um, I know it's challenging. I know it's so frustrating at times. It's hard. But the hardest things in life are usually the most rewarding. And so it will, you know, it can, this language has as much power as you're willing to give it. And so if you, you know, it really can. Um change your life, give you new opportunities, any language, you know, opens new doors for you, gives you new opportunities, even just shows you new perspectives, you know, but English is becoming, you know, more important in today's world. And that's just (laughs) the way it is, you know, and so I'm, I'm also like you grateful that I grew up speaking it. I think about that all the time. I think about like, if I had been born in another place and grew up speaking another language, would I have the patience to learn English, but I, I hope that I would, you know? And so, um, yeah, just don't give up. 
even if when there's hard days, you know, tomorrow's a new day and you're, you're doing better than you think you are too. Very Just true. don't get discouraged. Very true. Wow. Well, Taryn, thank you so much. I thoroughly oh, enjoyed you. you. Really did. Oh, me too. Oh. I was so excited um, <laughs> to be on your podcast. So thank you for letting me. Of course, of course. And I'm sure we'll have more talks in the future. Um, students, again, I hope you guys enjoyed this interview. And Taryn, I guess we'll talk to you again later. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. I really hope you enjoyed this episode. Remember, if you want to watch the full video recording of my conversation with Taryn, join the Speak English with Tiffany Academy, go to the podcast interviews resource and click episode 52. This has been Teacher Tiffany with the Speak English with Tiffany podcast. Until next time, remember to speak English.